0: Want to become successful in your personal and professional life? Learn the secrets of success, how to build atomic habits for improved productivity and develop a growth mindset with me, your mindset and success coach, Omar Qadri, and my fabulous guests that range from CEOs, entrepreneurs, life coaches, sports coaches, international sports athletes, and researchers right here on your favorite show called The Secrets of Greatness. Welcome guys. This is another episode of this series called secrets of greatness. My name is Omar Kadri. I'm your host for the show. First things first, if you have not already done so please click the subscribe button and do share with us your insights in the comment section below from your key takeaways from this episode. All right. Now, with all the housekeeping stuff out of the way, I am so, so incredibly excited to welcome a very, very special guest in the house today. He's a very successful entrepreneur and the founder of one of the most successful Middle Eastern cuisine chain in Canada, Paramount Fine Foods. He is also a passionate community leader and a philanthropist who has won incredible amount of awards and accolades for his community work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Mohammed Fatih. Thank How
1: you very much, Omar. You're very good. Thank you for having me. No, I'm, very look- I'm so much looking forward to
0: this. I'm looking forward to it as well and to learn from you, to get inspired by you. and Hopefully, we, you and I, we are, you especially, are able to inspire um, you know, all the other listeners that we have um, for today's episode. Thank you so, so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Nice um, thank you mohammed let's talk about your journey right um your journey i when you know you when i reached out to you even before that i've been following you and I'm, I'm a great admirer of your work um and i honestly i honestly feel that your work is very very inspiring especially when i read about your story where you came to canada with only a thousand two hundred dollars or something in your pocket right and you were living in a shared basement and working late hours at a jewelry store despite having um, a master's degree in gemology and geology right and you even worked at uh, coffee time to make your ends meet and what was really very interesting was that you know that turning point in your in your story where one day you go out to buy baklava or something at a small bakery called Paramount. And then from that day onwards, things really changed for you. So tell us a little bit about that particular day. What happened that day? How did you end up where you are and from, from where you started?
1: Well, thank you very much for the question. Um, like you said, I came here with nothing, lived in a shared basement apartment, had to work at a coffee shop because people won't give me a job. Yeah. They said I didn't have Canadian experience. And that's why as soon as I start seeing some success in my life, I committed that I will make that experience easier on people that just arrived to our country because we should not believe that international experiences are less worthy than ours. And we truly should all believe and advocate for diversity is our strength. And diverse experiences makes our company stronger, better, and brings us more diverse ideas, Mm -hmm. initiatives, and clientele. Some yeah. of the refugees that we hired has brought us franchisees yeah. because they have worked for them. And then they bought into our system in our Paramount, what I call it, movement. Yeah. I call Paramount not a company, I call it a Paramount movement. And when I hire people, I say, welcome to the Paramount movement because it's a movement of changing the way the world looked at the food and the Middle Eastern and the halal industry on one side. Yeah. On the other side, the way the world looked at immigrants in general. Mm right? And I wanted to send a strong message that, yeah, we come here with $1,200 in our pocket, but we come here to build, to hire, to get a better life for ourselves. And while we do that, we change a lot of other people's life on the way. And that's very important. So I walked into Piamont and this man approached me and I said, I want kilo baklava. And that was $20. And he said, I saw your picture that you renovated a house and you did very well. Good profit. Could you lend me $250,000? And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know you. Why would I lend you money? And, you know, I'm here only for $20 baklava. And he goes, no, I understand. But if you don't, me and 15 other chefs will have to be deported and will have to bankrupt by Thursday. And this is when I start looking at it in a serious way. And I said, okay, that's fine. But I'm only here to buy baklava and I still don't know you. But why don't I give you my card and Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. It's one of those situations where it's thrown at you, you don't know why it happened. Us believers that things happen for a reason and what goes around comes around. You always believe
0: that
1: you know, what what did just happen? Out of nowhere. And you know, my wife asked me out of nowhere to go to that place, didn't know that place. So I left the place with my kilo baklava, <laughs> and I called my wife and said, "Almost, you almost costed me quarter million dollar here," <laughs> and uh, and I didn't have that money at the time. I didn't have that quarter million dollar, and you know, I got into the car and something hit me right there. Hmm. And I always tell everyone, and I'm telling you all now, listening to this, you need to decide now who you are, yeah. who you want to be, what kind of person you're going to be. Are you going to be a stand up person? or just a person that actually keep their head down and go through life. Yeah. Are you going to really want to make a real difference, that, a difference that changes lives or are you going to be that person that just say as long as I'm okay, who cares about my neighbors? Who cares about my community? And you need to decide now. Hmm. Because the opportunity of making a difference usually comes as a surprise. Yeah. So you need to be prepared who you want to be today. You need to ask yourself that question. And that opportunity will come. Yeah. And when you decide, and when you decide to be that person that you're gonna make a difference, then you'll decide which way you're gonna go, and you'll you'll sense the fact that this is one of the opportunities where I can make a difference. So as soon as I got to the car, it hit me, and I just said, this man has done a good job taking a chance, uh, following his dreams, and trying to open a real good business and hire, has employed people, changed people's lives. Yeah. But he he needed some you know, leadership, some maybe suggestions mm-hmm. and to make sure that he's looked after in a way. And and his business the same way. And he needed some maybe capital, but most importantly, he had brought the capital and spent it. So he didn't know Canada and the way to run a business in this country. But what am I going to do? I'm going to let them down or I'm going to do what other people did to me mm. when I came to Canada. Right. And people had helped me when I came here. People had given me chance to buy a business, open a business, partner on a business, even accepted me to be partner with the SWAT equity, put my work in for partnership. Right. So this is when I decided that, no, I want to listen to the story. I want to talk to the person more. Yeah. So, so I called him and I said, look, I just want to know more. So to make a story short, he came in and I landed him the money. I, Offered him payment to plan. The payment plan was for me because I didn't have the money anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I said, I will give you this much and this much and this much. But as soon as I gave him the money, Revenue Canada froze his account because he had owed a lot of taxes. So he came to me and said, look, I understand you still owe me some money from what you said you're going to lend me. But I want to go back to Dubai. And it's up to you what you do with the business. So I went to see him and I saw the chefs. They're all literally. Some of them were crying, and they saying that wow. we're going to be deported because our visas depending on the business. This is when I realized I wasn't into kilobot lava, and that was something to do with, or meant to be destiny, you know. And so I said to them, "Look, I don't know how to fry an egg, but I know that we all come together around food, and the best way to represent the culture is with the food and." breaking bread with people to get to know them. Right. And quite honestly, Omar, I actually still believe it till today. I yeah. think we can resolve the world problem by breaking bread together, by, by, by having a meal with people from different colors, different backgrounds. And we get to know that we're much more alike than what we are. Different. You know, and, and, so and, that's what I, and that's what I did. And so it was a strong message to send out there that, no, immigrants do not come here just to live on mm. welfare. And we come here to build yeah and halal food is not dirty food It's the cleanest food ever and that we can all come together in a global agreement of sharing a bread and breaking bread together and trying each other's food and listening to each other's story while we're eating together and hopefully we all realize what margaret mead was so true what she said is that we are more alike than we are different but unfortunately. We more focus on why we're different than why we're alike on 95%. And it started that way. Decorated the restaurant because I'm from the jewelry business, so everything had to look nice. <laughs> and, and I wanted to change the way people looked at the Middle at Eastern food because yes. you look, you go to Dubai, you go to Lebanon, their hospitality is great, is forward. And here I used to see shawarma places opened by people who just arrived, didn't have money, mm-hmm. you know not paying attention to quality standards and still they had business mm-hmm. so so i changed that and you know i'm hoping that i put some marks into the way the uh minority food and immigrant food uh, and different ethnic food is represented is now Absolutely. because for people to compete with yeah. Perman, they had to decorate they had to design their stores now and they had to maintain a cleaner store. And you know what? I hope I was part of that. Team. And look, that was in 2007. Today with around 80 locations mm-hmm. worldwide four a brand, uh, three brands and the fourth one on the way as well. Right. And you know, that's all done by one word, team. Steam. It's all about people. It's all about people. Yeah. And the old day of owning a business was the owner yelling at everybody, <laughs> all the staff, and he's the boss. <laughs> Or she's the boss, and I say to the world, it's all about your team. Yeah. And sometimes people come to me and they want to start a conversation, even people I don't know, or and they come to me and they just want to talk. Yeah. And they say, Mohammed, customers comes first. Customer always, always comes first. And I stand there and I say, I know that's not the normal answer, but it it hurts me, and it's an opportunity for me to change the way they think. And I say to them, no. So, a CEO, customer do not come first. Right. My people come first.
0: The employees. And
1: the employees. Yeah. And the employees come first. And when you make them feel that they come first, they'll make the customer come first. Absolutely.
0: Because they're right. at the front line.
1: Absolutely. And, and slowly, I think, going back to my theory of the four Ps, people first, purpose second, planet third, and that's how you make a profit these days. Companies yeah. that do not people people do not put people purpose and planet before a profit can't do business anymore these days. Yeah, so and a lot of people with. say the millennial, the millennial here, the millennial there. I actually think the millennial are amazing, yeah. and they actually put aside all the stories and the lip service that the older people do aside, and they call us to do it. They call us to do things right and they'll say well i need to see that you you put the planet first yeah i need i need to see that you sell everything in compostable and i need to see that you do purpose not to cut a check you actually hands-on and you do it right so we complain about them because they hold a the mirror to our face and they make us see accountability reality. <laughs> absolutely they hold us accountable and i love them and today if you want a customer you know the millennial to support your business yeah. you need to be someone that known that you support people mm. you need to you need to be known that your company does the right thing for the community. Mm-hmm. And the only way that these great assets of, assets of millennial, your people, your team are yeah. your biggest asset in your life. Absolutely. And the only way that you can keep them, not because you pay them, because they want to be part of something bigger yeah. than themselves. Exactly. And a company that does more than just paying them a salary. And I think that's the payment on DNA. And we're so proud of buying in into a company where I'm just an opinion like everyone else on the executive team. And we all come together to change the world with right. using the food, but most importantly, focusing on people, purpose, planet to make a profit.
0: And, and I love that. That's, that's truly to me, what you have summarized is, is the whole aspect of servitude from a leadership perspective. You came in, as, a, as, as an immigrant, you saw an opportunity, you saw that this is what, this is, you wanted to change the perspective of, um, of the world about Middle East. You wanted to create jobs, you wanted to help your community members, you wanted to help people and showcase that we are not just here to live on welfare, we are here to contribute, to build, right? And I think that aspect of giving back, of community building, of serving the people, building communities. It's a very, very important leadership trait, servitude. right? So, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, I do feel that somehow or the other, we are kind of losing um, this particular trait in from our DNA as, as human beings, as a generation. But at the same time, there is an opportunity here for us to inculcate our youth are leaders of tomorrow with this particular trait of servitude, find people to serve, right? So Mohammed, tell me if you were to um, teach kids about servitude as a leadership trait, what would you tell them? What would you say to them? How would you build the skill of servitude in these, in these kids?
1: I don't think uh, that, Today's kids or I wouldn't call them kids, young leader, I would I prefer. Mm. Yeah. Our our next generation leader cannot be taught by one person. Mm. They don't listen only to talk, they want action.
0: They want action, absolutely.
1: And I think as a community we need as a community and a collective society, we need to teach them that. I actually believe in something that a lot of people smile when I say it because they're not sure it's the right way or approach. I truly believe as a community in life in politics mm-hmm. in anything we become what we celebrate we
0: become what we celebrate interesting tell so more. when
1: you i'll tell you more so why did we become so attached to social media because people celebrate how many mm. followers they have how many people they like they, get, they like them how many people are cheering for them if we celebrate kindness we'll yeah. tend to become kinder absolutely if we celebrate servitude we'll become more buying in into it, hmm. and our younger generation need to want to be celebrated, and whichever way we want them to go, we need to celebrate that trick. so if we continue celebrating rich and being rich and being greedy and one person is rich doesn 't matter the rest of the community mm-hmm. that 's what they 're going to grow up doing, yeah, so we become. What we, we celebrate. So we need more to celebrate people that they're kind, that they're empathy. They have empathy, and mostly they have compassion because empathy, right? I mean, compassion is an empathy in action, but empathy is just feeling something but not doing anything about it. Right. Like, and I think we need to celebrate more compassion so we can get people to be compassionate, have empathy, and take action. And take action. And when we celebrate that we become what we celebrate and i think what we need to do is celebrate more success celebrate more servitude celebrate more compassion and celebrate more kindness and that's how you create an next generation of kinder people, people that are ready to serve more everything in life like a muscle yeah absolutely more you yeah. more you train it stronger it becomes yeah right and there is pain when you work out, if you, leave, if you leave sore, that means your pain has taken more and you're stretching the limit of your muscle and now your muscle is getting stronger even if it hurts. Right. So there is pain always. When you're making a really big difference, there is always pain. So please don't run away from growing yeah. pain. Don't run away from making yourself stronger because you feel the pain. Because you're only gonna become better, bigger and stronger when you feel that
0: When you feel that pain. That's so well and, said. I...
1: and remember you become what we celebrate. So let's not celebrate the people that has only billion dollars. Yeah. But they donate pennies. Right? It has to hurt them too. It has mm. to be heavy on their pocket. Yeah. And let's celebrate compassion, let's celebrate kindness and let's celebrate celebrate more of servitude so we can have younger generation and next generation leaders that want to become what we celebrated before.
0: I love that. I I really, really do, because I love how you just summarize the fact that it's uh, we become what we celebrate and the aspect of celebrating uh, servitude, compassion and empathy is the way forward because that's what, that's how um, we will encourage our next generation, our youth leaders to become better versions of themselves and be able to go out and do take good actionable actions, right? Take uh, those necessary steps to do the difficult thing and not shy away and not shy away from um, making difficult decisions and um, hardships, right? And that's so important. Every single leader, including yourself, who who we have spoken about um, in this particular show, even before, they have all stressed on how important it is to endure pain and be resilient and not be shy of it. And you, you mentioned that as well. And I love that because that's so important. Um, Whenever we do feel that pain, we have to recognize that we are actually making progress. It's just this shift in the mindset that we need to make.
1: Yeah. And avoiding the pain is avoiding the progress. Yeah. And remember everything is like a muscle. Yeah, more you, more you work it out, stronger it becomes.
0: Stronger it becomes, exactly. Um, on, the, on, the, on that note of becoming stronger, the Paramount brand I've uh, noticed has become uh, more and more stronger with the, every single day with the recent launch of uh, your new brand, Boxed. It looks fantastic. I've seen it on social media. I'm yet to go there, but I know this weekend or next weekend, I'm planning on going there for sure. It looks fantastic. So it is a, it's very innovative. It's very interesting. So before getting into what exactly Box is, what Paramount, your, your company, is actually looked at as, a, as an innovator in your business, in your industry, right? From the outside in that industry, it at, people look at Paramount as an innovator. Um, tell us, Mohammed. What exactly is the process, the process of innovation at Paramount Fine Foods? Well,
1: uh, it's funny. Everything in the world is so simple, right? When you stay still and stagnate, you become a target Mm -hmm. and easy to be taken on. So the recommendation from even my father, the old days, I understand innovation and technology and all the new. But the actual idea and principle of opening a business and growing a business and maintaining a business, it's easy to get to the top, it's not easy to stay there. As we all know, this is, this is a lot of people, something that everyone say. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. Uh, we've heard it a million times, all of us. But it's true. And 12 years in, Paramount has to change the way we look, the way we feel. Like people say, Mohammed gave up on his number one location. Yes, it's 10,000 square feet, it's no longer good. And don't run your business with your heart. You know, run your community with your heart. Use your business to run your community with your heart. But Mm -hmm. run your business without emotion. And yeah, it was my first location. Yeah, I wanted to cry when I said demolish it. It's not good anymore. But in business, you have to make difficult decisions. Right? And for me, I always, we always have to be, we hire the best and we want to be ahead. We mm-hmm. have obligation to this community. We have obligation to say, yeah. that this is not the immigrant business that used to be thirty years ago. That they do, they hit hard, and mm-hmm. then they disappear. Mm-hmm. No, every ten years we're going to change. Yeah, some people actually thought because I, I'm closing two three locations from the big one, opening seven small ones, and look different with cubbies in Paramount as well. Some of the Paramount will have cubbies soon, mm-hmm. right? Like the same as Box. Nice. And people are saying, oh, is he now interested in boxes? not interested in PMO? No, our community needs to get used to this. Anything that you don't change within 10 years will go in a curve of up and go down after. Mm. So as long as you innovate, as long as you have, I travel the world. I have a team that travels the world. We hire the best of the best. We don't hire because they're Middle Eastern. We don't hire because they're Muslim. We don't hire because they're immigrants. We hire people because of their skills. Right? The second person in command is a female. Her name is Carolyn White. We have people from all backgrounds in Paramount, yeah. all colors, all religion because of their skills. And we want them to be proud of who they are because they bring different expertise to the table. Mm. So we have a mission of being the first at a lot of things mm. and try, the first, try first as first company before anyone else. Yeah. So now we're opening cloud kitchens. Paramount is going to the cloud kitchen business. And that's going to be announced in three weeks from today, right? Oh, wow. So this is the first time I talked about it publicly. That's right? amazing. So we, we're going to go in hidden locations that they don't have a front based only on delivery. Because we believe COVID is only a playbook for what's going to happen down the road. Several mm-hmm. times we're going to be hit with similar things due to the planet issue, yeah. due to our lack of attention to the planet. So this is, was a playbook. And the delivery of food is going to be something that is more important than it used to be before. So right. we're going to the to the cloud kitchen uh, oh. program, right? We're opening a smaller location with cubby delivery so people, they don't want to touch, right? But we're not taking away the human touch, and that's very yeah. important. We're keeping a concierge in the front to welcome people and smile to them. And nice. we're keeping the chefs making real food in the back. And you actually hire more people in a place like Box or Paramount with Cubby mm-hmm. than you hire in a Paramount without Cubby. Oh, wow. Yes, you do actually. Yes, yes. And people always want to look for something that went wrong. But I'm saying, I always say, read to your children. But it doesn't mean it's children. We're all a children until we're 95 years old. I think we <laughs> should all read more. We should read more before we actually look at something. A lot of people messaged me and said, oh, you're removing the element of hiring. And no, I can prove to you that it's not. And you're removing the touch why people love restaurants. restaurant. No, when you go to a takeout place, there's only the cashier to welcome you. In, in Box, there is somebody dedicated to welcome you and to sanitize everything, right? right. So they, they're not a cashier. They're actually there to welcome you and to give you that smile and ask you, how's your day to and take that personal time. So innovation is the center of our focus at PAMO. And bringing younger people to teach us how to innovate, how to, how to resonate. Box yeah. is a very box is very Instagrammable. Not alone <laughs> that it is. It is. You know, it, is. It, it really and if, is. And if that's the word then we are Instagrammable. (laughs) I heard it it from my son and his friend. Yeah, that's Instagrammable. I learned it from them, right? So innovation, making it data collection, Mm. ethically, definitely. Uh, uh, Being ahead of everyone and not ahead of the ethnic food community. Yeah, Ahead of everyone in In Canada.
0: In that industry.
1: In that industry. Yeah. Right. And even quite honestly, even in other industry, I have people approaching me saying, can we use the cubbies in the airport for duty free? So people can order on their phone and pick up from a cubby. Right. That's and I beautiful. Said, yes, yes, you can. So apparently I'm going to start selling cubbies instead of food in cubbies. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> It so creates
0: my, more options in, in, in business, right?
1: And hiring more people. Yeah. So yes, we're always open to ideas. Innovation has a changed family, you know, um, our apps, now they're being launched one after the other. Mm-hmm. We have a Paramount app already out. Boxed yeah. app will be launching in a couple of weeks. Nice. We're launching a new brand in a month and a half. An online brand only as well. So if you look at it all collectively, as soon as COVID started, yeah. we we finished Boxed. We let go three, four locations that they're big size and not going to work anymore. And we're replacing them you with know, seven, eight smaller ones. Mm-hmm. We're starting the cloud kitchen. We're launching an online brand and we open boxed. Right? Wow. So it's wow. all it's all about when you Tyson said we all have a plan until we got punched in the face. <laughs> right? And, it's true. and and then you decide when you got punched in the face. Are you gonna change your plan immediately? Yeah. And still win it, or are you gonna stay down after you got punched once and you're done? And we're proving that Entrepreneurs, most important side and, yeah. and, and trait of an entrepreneur is how can they change so fast? How can they uh, evolve so fast? With exactly, a
0: exactly, and that's so true. You and, and and that that really exemplifies Muhammad the 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 aspect of innovation. You you, I think as a leader for you and your leadership team, I think that's very commendable. That's very commendable that you guys are so open. To hearing new ideas and you're not stuck into your old roots of what you what made you successful 10 years ago or 15 years ago and you're open to uh, open to change. And I think that is a very um, unique trait that doesn't that not a lot of people have it. A lot of people are always kind of stuck into their old grounds. And I think having that adaptability, right, that it, that's adaptability at its best about how you are listening to how the customers are changing, right? How the industry is changing, how, you know, the pandemic has shifted and being more proactive because I think in your example of um, uh, Cloud Kitchen as well as Boxed, I think those are very proactive moves, there even i think you know from a uh, from a pandemic perspective you're you're looking ahead of how the planet will be uh you know 10 15 years from now and proactively deciding how to shift your business models to meet those requirements and the way the the, the it's uh, the the way the world and the industry is changing and that's pu-
1: and I hope the entire country acts that way because, look, we have I think two so. options. I and Paramount so. had two options. Not only the industry, even the entire country. Because mm-hmm. we, ha- we all have two options and there is no third. One, sit there and let the pandemic take us yep. down psychologically, economically, or react change the way we do things exactly. around the pandemic yeah. and make sure the pandemic does not stop us anymore. Absolutely. And make sure that does not stop the way our positivity is canada is a place of hope it sure is and i think and to everyone that came to this country and this is my choice became their country this is your opportunity to show why it's very important to have immigrants in this country and the importance is because our experience i lived in bunkers before my dad used to come out of the bunker from a civil war in lebanon and the man was smiling and i'm like dad what are you smiling about we were in a stinky bunker and he used to say you know what? It's very difficult to see the light. Yeah. But the light will come. And a new day will come. And we'll all greet it together. Yeah. We will build our country again. We'll open more businesses and we'll hire more people. And to all Canadians, you didn't live in bunkers. You lived in your nice homes, right? Yeah. And yes, we will open those doors again. Yes, and we will give will. each other a hug very soon. Yeah. But most importantly, let's find a new way to rebuild our country again. This country is a country of hope. Absolutely. And we can lead the rest of the world to learn how Canadian reacted during a pandemic. So this is an opportunity for all of us. Yes, we so have two good. options. Sit and say, oh my God, the pandemic, and am I going to get it? I'm not going to get it. Did I get it? I didn't get it. Some people live their days like that. And others will say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all what I can to make this country, my company, my family, my community, Survive the pandemic and strive during a pandemic. Yeah, right. And that's what we expect from all Canadians.
0: And that—that's the beauty of Canada. It gives us that hope. It gives us that uh, feeling of optimism because a lot of us, in myself, you, we all came here with very little in our hands. And and you know, so far, look at you—you have you—you have established a lot of jobs for the community, and you're doing great. And I think it—that's. Um, kind of an onus on every single Canadian to give back to the community and build Canada to become a leader in the world.
1: And I I don't want to be unrealistic. Yeah, I've gone to darker places for a day or two and I had to make a decision if I have to lay off off people. And yeah, I go into the shower sometime and I think that I'm done. I'm bankrupted. If the pandemic lasts more than two years, what do I do? Oh my God. Oh my God. But then I say, what is the worst thing can happen? Yeah, I lived the 20 years very well off, comparing to where I came from. Well, 1,200 dollar in my pocket, there is no way I'm gonna go back to that. So anything more than 1,200, I'm better off. It's so a win. Where is, yeah, and did I change? I look at the mirror. Yeah. I, I several times did that during the pandemic. I look at that mirror and I ask myself, did I change? Mm. Have I changed? Am I still the same person with the same regret? That yeah. you know do I still have the same strength to fight back and build businesses and start something right. from scratch or not? And I realize I do, and I'm going to continue doing it. And you know what? It's leading per example, and the younger generation is going to, are going to follow. And they're going to realize that if the Mohammed Tiki of the world went on open box in the middle of a pandemic, everything else is going to be easy.
0: Absolutely. I think that's why you are a great role model for a lot of us to learn about adaptability, about change, about innovation, about being headstrong and being mentally strong and hopeful and optimistic. And, that, and, and, and that's why, you know, it's great to hear these things from you directly as well. Mohammed, on that note, you know, um, you, 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 uh, we, we've spoken about a lot about uh, the hope and the optimism, but at the same time, you know, success doesn't always come easy. Right. Um, as Sir Winston Churchill, he said that success is a, Um, is tumbling from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm, right? And that's something you said, uh, something similar you said earlier as well. Tell us uh, a story perhaps um, about a particular failure or a uh, setback that you had, what it taught you and how were you able to bounce back from it?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing is when I opened my second location. Mm -hmm. So the first location went very well. a People were lining up. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I'm going to open the second one and it's going to do the same. And I didn't know how to do the food. I didn't know how to repeat it. Every uh-huh. chef was competing that his hummus was better than the other guy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I wanted the same. What do you mean? Oh, no, no. People are saying my kafta is better. And I'm like, that's not what I want here. I want the same thing. And it didn't work. I actually lost money mm-hmm. in my second location. And, and I had two options. Scale back, shut down the second location, go back to my first location mm-hmm. or run forward. And I decided to run away forward. When I opened Young and Nandas with twenty-seven, dollars to $30,000 rent a month. Wow. It could have been the end of payment. Mm. Right? And I actually borrowed a part of the money from a friend of mine to open it. Because I was losing money in the second location. And I'm running forward. So I would have lost. I would have poor guy lost his money. And would have taken me probably 20 years to pay him back. I have a second location that's scaring me. Because the first one is doing still well, but the second one took away from the first one location and now the brand is getting bad reputation that the food is not the same. Mm -hmm. And now I'm opening the third one, right? And I had no other option. Sleepless night. Uh, Putting the sign up on Young and Dundas made me cry thinking that I've never thought I'll put my sign beside the biggest brand in the world. But at the same time, there is what you're feeling and what's behind your heart what if this is like the second location, and now my bills of two losing locations will bury the first one, and I'll be on negative cash flow every single day of my life? Right. How am I gonna hold that? And the bills of the last one of Young and Dandas is two times the bill of the both of the other collected bills. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like no shawarma place ever opened between Young and Dandas and Young and Queen because it's very expensive rent. Yeah, right. Only the biggest brand in the world opened there. And I still persisted to open. I wanted to send the message that we can last there. Mm. The, the president of Cadillac Purview that owns the Eden Center said, Mohammed, we made a bet. The highest is that you last two years. Oh, wow. Well, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, I signed three days ago a renewal of 10 years for Young and Nanda's location. I didn't last only two years like they made a bet on me. And Amazing. from day one, I sold I sold ninety thousand a week in wow. that location, and has saved the company. But can I admit that I wasn't scared? I wasn't sleeping for nights and nights, clean table with my own hand to make sure that the labor is perfect. Back people reminded me of Syrian market, of yeah. like the free market. Beg people to come in through the doors, stand on Yonge Street. Wow. People thought I was a homeless or something. Somebody asked, "I beggar." Because I was saying, please come in and try our business. Please come in and try our yeah. restaurant. We, like I had to beg people to make sure that was successful. Wow. So in life, you have to fail. Like Alchemist said, you have to fall seven times before you stand up on. Yeah. And every time you fall once, that means you're one time closer to your success. Exactly. And for you to stand up. And look, pandemic has proved to everyone that there is no one safe. Yeah. You know, I'm someone that is very safe. I don't borrow money. I don't have banks. I built it slowly, I moved to franchising because I didn't have the money to build it alone, right? I banked for disaster, and Mm -hmm. please learn this. Learn this to all of the listeners, learn banking for disaster. Before the pandemic, I used to bank for disaster. Two years for me personally, one year for my business. So -hmm. if the whole world fall apart, I need to have enough money to live the same way for two years at personal level, and my business will survive full one year if the cash register is frozen. Yeah. Full one year I can pay my bills without moving. After the pandemic, I learned that two years is not enough and one year is not enough. So now I extended my banking for disaster to three years personally and two years my business. So oh, bank wow. for disaster. Do not rush to open stores. Rush to bank for disaster. Do not rush to buy a better car. Bank for disaster. Do not rush to buy a bigger home. Bank for disaster. And that's one of my biggest suggestions to everyone.
0: And love that, and that's all—all all tied into your cash flow. It's all tied to your cash flow. Make it's sure one word: cash flow. <laughs> cash flow. <laughs> that's basically what you're saying in a nutshell. Bank. Yes. Make sure you have enough cash to last for three years, for yourself, and two years for your business. Company for your yeah. uh, for your business, and I think that's very very important for all the entrepreneurs out there, right? Um, we we do. Uh, we have seen this uh, sort of um, hustle culture out there where it's all about, as you said on Instagram, showcasing your success in terms of your house or your car. And it goes back to, um, you know, that aspect of, OK, when you had your cash, did you bank for a disaster or did you end up buying a Maserati or a Mercedes or something for it? Right? Yeah, and, yeah,
1: And did you do it for yourself or do you do it to show somebody else? exactly right and i always say i mean the people that you want to show they truly don't care Mm -hmm. what they care about in the end of the day for you as a quality human your principle your values not the level of your car and if people are you're surrounding yourself that you need to do something just for them to respect you and their respect is dependent on the level of house or car you have they're not the right people and you're only who you surround yourself with you are only the person that like the people you surround yourself with says a lot about you, and if you 're at a certain point, you feel the pressure of those people on your life for you to match with them financially they 're the wrong people for you so true
0: so true i can, i couldn 't agree more because you know they say you 're always the average of the five people you hang out with, so surround yourself with the right people with people with the right mindset, who are your cheerleaders, who can be your coaches who can um, address your blind spots. Don't always just have just yes men or yes women around you have people around you who can tell you, maybe you're making a slight mistake here or there and give you some constructive feedback. And that's what our mentorship is all about. So I'm glad you were, you, you shared that with us, Mohammed. That's, that's thank really, you. really good. I love that on, on, on that note, I want to say thank you to you for the amazing Uh, for your time and for the amazing golden nuggets that you have shared with us for our youth, for our entrepreneurs, especially in this very um, strange times that we all are going through. I think you have uh, really emphasized on some key points um, for each and every one of us, not just as entrepreneurs, but also as humans, you know, Um, celebrate compassion, celebrate kindness. I think to me, that was the essence of, um, of of your success, you know, it all came down to the reason why. I think if people who are listening to this, they're wondering how did Muhammad become so successful by selling shawarma or something? You know, it it's, it wasn't the shawarma; it was the compassion, it was the celebration and, of kindness.
1: And that was very important point: is to be proud of who you are and where we came from.
0: Where you came. A lot from. of
1: people, then Muhammad become Mo and Mike and Bilal become Bil and Zainab become Mazi. You know you need to be proud of who you are, where you came from, because you are who you are. I am who I am. I'm the guy that came from Lebanon and grew up there with the older people of Lebanon teaching me certain things, then moved to Italy and I was taught certain things from their professor and moved to Canada. So I'm the combination of that. So don't cancel part of who you are, because when you're proud and you're not hiding a part of you and what you're proud of, it gives you that more strength, Strength. that confidence. And it make you Proud in front of your parents. Proud in front of your children. Proud in front of your friends. So please don't change your name. Please don't hide who you are. I start half of my speeches by saying my name is Mohammed and I'm very proud to be a Canadian Muslim. Right? Because I want to send a message and I love my accent and I want to make it stronger. I don't want to get rid of it. I want people to know that the accent does not stop your success. Speak the way you're comfortable to speak and for the rest of the world to accept you. We came to Canada because my name Mohammed should be celebrated and Jonathan's name should be celebrated, not because we're expected to change them. So please be proud of who you are and where we come
0: from. I love that. That is such a strong message of equality, diversity, inclusivity, and these are some really, really important messages, especially in today's day, that we all need to share, learn, and reflect back, you know, from the world that we are living in. So Muhammad, thank you so much once again for giving me the time, for giving us the time and for sharing some amazing uh, knowledge and insights with us. I really hope each and every one of you who is watching this particular show um, is able to get at least one really good thing out of what Muhammad has said and implement it in your lives because, you know, you're hearing it directly from a very, very successful and humble person, right? And that's the true beauty and quality of Muhammad and altogether. Mohamad, thank you so much and wish you you all the very, very best.
1: I look forward to learning more about Cloud Kitchen and all the best for uh, Boxed as well. Thank you very much, everyone. Please stay safe and stay most importantly positive because together we can change the world. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. What you just learned has given you new knowledge, but knowledge is not power. It is potential power. It only becomes power when you activate your learning. I invite you to leave a review with your learnings from this episode. You can also take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your favorite social media channel with your feedback, comments, questions, and learnings. And tag me at I am Omar Because when you synthesize your learning by writing them down, you transport them from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. Thank you for listening
1: and stay tuned for the next episode to learn better and grow faster.